is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now keeping himself with Martinez, five. He is going to be in touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge. Runs in from 15 yards out, tie of the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour, giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets one over the Florida Gators. Now, shoots the three, got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land. And a good time was had by all. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. We are sport-free now as uh, baseball has ended, but we've always got plenty to talk about here, so we're glad you're with us. Um, Almost sport-free. Almost, yes. NCAA track right. championships got a medalist. Uh, finishing up today. you got a bronze medalist, Yep. Mason Connor in the high jump. Yep. Third place. That's good. And we are 11 weeks exactly from the start of Husker football at but, Illinois. But who's counting? That's Caleb Henry. <laughs> Kenny Larrabee is along for the ride as well. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. Thanks for joining us here on the K-Lion Husker Hour. We've got a lot of baseball to talk about. We're wrapping up the 2021 mm. season. Uh, we'll do that with one of the voice of the Husker baseball program, Ben McLaughlin. He'll join us here shortly. Uh, a lot of recruiting to get to as well. There's a lot of that going on as the dead period finally ended on June 1st. Uh, before we get to that, I uh, wanted to say a, a few words real quick. Other than of you know family and and you know my I've mentioned my grandma is the the volleyball listener. Um, I'm sure we've we've both got family that listen. Uh, other than those folks, I think the most loyal listener of this show uh, is our friend Jeff. <laughs> and Jeff's mother-in-law passed away this week, mm. uh, and so I wanted to. Give a shout out to to Jeff and Narissa, and uh, we're we're thinking about you guys uh, during this tough time, and uh, we we appreciate you guys uh, being loyal listeners of the show, and and uh, we hope we are there for you uh, right now as uh, as you guys are always there for us. So definitely, R.I.P. Meg, um, and and right now it's uh, also it's it's been. You know, after seeing yesterday's results down in Fayetteville, <laughs> wow, Arkansas, NC State, uh, it's it's been. You know, it's been a little bit of a transition for all these Husker baseball fans as the season comes to an end to to see what happens what happens next in the rest of this NCAA tournament as the Huskers, as you well know, came up short of the regional but acquitted themselves quite well against the number one overall seed, Caleb, and, and they they really they really showed that yeah, they might have deserved to go to a better spot in terms of their regional matchup because I don't know that anybody's getting out of a regional with with Arkansas, uh, let alone you know a super regional participant like NC State, let alone the Big Ten champs like Nebraska. Arkansas is pretty good. Nebraska hung with them, was essentially an inning away from from getting by, and and now Arkansas is just laying waste to the Wolfpack. Yeah, Nebraska was out of pitching at the very end. That's just what it comes down to. North Carolina State came in with an extra day of rest. Had all of their pitchers ready and got walloped with twenty-one to two. Was that the final? Twenty-one to two. Yes. Oh my goodness, that's <laughs> twenty-one to two. And you think about the way Nebraska played this last weekend, <laughs> especially in the three games against Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Some eyes, I believed, are going to be open nationally. Not just the way things went this last weekend, and I think that did open up a few eyes on on how Nebraska played in Fayetteville. Um, but now to go and do that against someone else who who is a regional champion, twenty one to two in the first game. Arkansas is going to end the series today. It might not be twenty one to two, but I don't think it's going to be five three. They it's not going to be five one. They didn't have to use cops yesterday, so it's it's not going to be ready to go. Today. It's not going to be six two. And you know what you can do with cops if you have to. Apparently, you can go seven innings with him. Yeah. (laughs) So you have an entire bullpen of guys for Arkansas that is going to, I don't know if North Carolina State's going to score today. Because you, I think they'll throw cops just to get him some innings. Yeah. Just just to get him some innings this weekend. Even if, even if he goes out for, if Arkansas is up, let's say 12 to 1 and it's the seventh inning, you'll throw cops out there for the seventh inning. Maybe let him start the eighth and go. All right, sit down. 
because you you want to get these guys the, those reps and those live reps, which are very different than everything you have going on at home. But what Nebraska did last weekend, and what you're seeing Arkansas do to another out of conference opponent, you, what you're going to see Arkansas do to teams in Omaha. Not to say that Arkansas is going to go undefeated at the College World Series and win the whole darn thing. They very well might. But what Arkansas is going to do to opponents the rest of this weekend and at the College World Series is going to open up a lot of folks' eyes about what Nebraska was able to do in Fayetteville. Yeah, And, and, and really prove Nebraska should have hosted a regional. Not not just been in a different regional, hosted a regional. The the host thing, I think we can all agree, probably comes back to Kevin Warren and the Big Ten. It comes back to the Big Ten, absolutely. To, to not have non-conference play, because that would have allowed Nebraska to build the RPI just outside of the cross-pollination that the Big Ten teams were doing to each other. And, and that, I mean, obviously we can have the discussion about whether Nebraska could host or not, but just looking at the matchups that each... Big Ten team that made it got, or look at look at a team like NC State. NC State, you know, I don't know how their resume compares to Nebraska's, but I'm pretty sure that they got an easier path to the Super Regionals than Nebraska did, knowing that as a number two seed, as NC State mm-hmm. is, their number one was the 16 overall in yeah. Louisiana Tech. And it's it's not a perfect serpentine. We know that. We know geography plays into some decisions, not all decisions, some decisions. But in a perfect serpentine, the two in that 16 seeds regional is supposed to be the top two seed. The 17, essentially. Yeah. So <laughs> Nebraska realistically was a 17 to 20 overall and got sent to the number one. Yeah. Our, as we said our, last week, Arkansas should have been furious that they had to go through Nebraska to get out of their own region. They dang near get, didn't get out alive. That's right. So you you look at that part of it, and they're they're going to have no problem with North Carolina State. I know a lot of us wanted to be Wolfpack fans this weekend, but watching the game last night, it's like, man, I kind of don't want to be a Wolfpack fan even for one more day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rough existence right now. Man, I, I, re- I really liked being the, uh, the, the groin kick Husker fan. <laughs> that was easier than being a Wolfpack fan yesterday. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the groin kick Husker fan. Well, Nebraska walks away with five guys who made that all-regional team. Griffin Everett, Luke Roscom, Bryce Matthews at, at third base. At third base. That one it stands out. Yeah, Joe Acker was uh, as well, and then uh, Spencer Schwellenbach as a relief pitcher, not as a shortstop. And I think you would have had Max Anderson had he not he gotten hurt. On on uh, it was on Saturday that he got. It was in the first Arkansas. Yeah, it was game. it was in the first Arkansas yep. game. So he missed half the regional. Yeah, more than half the regional because he got pulled out of that Arkansas game. So he only he played just over a game he and a half. A game and a half, and they played three and a half games. And, and Bryce Matthews had to move over to third base and played played great over there. And this the whole look the way Nebraska approached this weekend was and and how that approach had to evolve. It it mirrored the approach that they had all season. It was that you know the Jackson Hallmark gift that's out there. Don't care, mm-hmm. don't care. Like you have both of your 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 Friday and your Saturday guys uh, in terms of pitching. Neither one of them could get through the fifth. So and and those were both those were your first two games. You end up in the losers bracket without either of them available to you in those loser bracket games. Uh, and and you finally got back to Povich on Monday. But in order to get to Monday, you had to get there without without either Cade Povich or Chance Roche. You had to have Shea Shanneman get a lot of innings for you in that NJIT game, and mm-hmm. he did. Yeah. You had to have Kyle Perry really do more I mean, do more than he did all season in order to get the ball to Schwellenbach in a position to where he could maybe even finish the game. Can we talk about how incredible that Sunday night game was from a pitching standpoint? Not just you mean the one that I didn't stay for, right? It's always that one. It's always the and you see it at state basketball all the time. Yeah, and it's always and it's not just the the championship Saturday. Sometimes it's the Friday, and you're like, you know what? Let's not stay for this Friday night Class A game. And then you know what happens? It ends up being one of the greatest state tournament games of all time. <laughs> like that's exactly what happens, no matter what, because that happened to me this year. Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah. talking about that Sunday night game, just from a pitching standpoint, 
starting with Schwellenbach. When he had the ball in his hands, you went, yeah, he's he's shutting things down, and he's going to give everything he's got, and he, he was out of gas at the end. Yeah, it was just a matter of how far he could go, right? Yeah, he was on fumes, if we're being 100% honest, and he still closed the door. He still got the job done, but he had to be given a position to go get the job done, and that was from Kyle Perry, and... If we're going to talk about Kyle Perry, we can't just talk about what he did Sunday night, going a, a season long for pitches and innings to get into the fifth because he he did what four and a third, I, I believe it was or Schwellenbach. Uh, no, um, Perry. Yeah, Perry. It was four and a third or four yeah, and two thirds. Yeah, yeah. So he got into the fifth inning. Yeah, he did after never not going past the second inning all season. He got. Did he get three in his last start? I thought he went one, two, three. Maybe he just went one, two. I thought he just went one, two. Yeah. But, but yeah. He, the, still, the fact is that he went further than he had all season. Right. I think a lot of what we can look at Sunday is, and we'll talk about, we can talk about the entire season on, on what this coaching staff has done, but Sunday, as much as Monday was the game that you wanted to get to and you had to get to, Sunday, to me, was the epitome of what this coaching staff brings to the University of Nebraska, what Will Bolt brings as a head coach to the Huskers. Because what did you have to do with Kyle Perry a year ago up to the fall with Mm -hmm. all of the rehab, up to the delayed start of the season, and him, when he did get starts, it was, you're in, he's looked really good through two, and you still get him out. You used him as an opener, not really a starter. Yeah. And it was between that and any midweek stuff, it was 100% taking care of the health of Kyle Perry and putting him on a trajectory to where you absolutely needed him. And when this team absolutely needed Kyle Perry, the coaching staff, the athletic training staff, Perry himself, everyone was in 100% of the mindset that this is where things have to be. you got to peak right now mm-hmm. at the one time you really need it, and Kyle Perry did that. So when you look at the way Sunday went from a pitching side of things, and you had Schwellenbach in his first full season of pitching come out and throw perhaps his best outing of the entire season against the best team in the country at their place in a must-win game, to me, Sunday night was the pinnacle of, of this Husker baseball season, and it shows 100% what this coaching staff has done to, I wouldn't say flip this program, because they were like right there from a Super Regional a few years ago, and they there are guys on this team that won a Big Ten title already, so they're, they're, the guys that were seniors, they've won two Big Ten titles. That doesn't happen to a lot of classes. Yeah. But Sunday night was so impressive to really encapsulate an entire season. Yeah, it was. It was. And there's a bright future for a lot of reasons. There's going to be some pieces to replace, obviously, the entire starting outfield from the regional. Uh, You have a pretty important guy at shortstop and closer uh, that you're probably going to need to split into two roles again Mm -hmm. next year because I don't know that they got a guy that's just going (laughs) to, they're just going to roll out and do what Schwellenbach did. Can Max Um, Anderson pitch? (laughs) (laughs) You got Roscom who could play first. And catcher, and apparently third and, base. Yeah, and, and apparently third. Uh, but Griffin Everett, I mean, you you feel pretty good about the the catcher position. Um, well, and a guy that you're going to be able to bring into the outfield that didn't get a lot of run this year was an All American as a freshman, a freshman All American, Leighton yep. Banjoff. That's right. You're going to be able to bring in to that outfield. By the way, three consecutive years, Nebraska has had a freshman All American, Max Anderson, this year, um, and then you had uh, Gomes as a freshman. Yeah, Colby Gomez. So you're going to, which, by the way, we didn't see him a whole lot this year. Well, no, he went out with the uh, the injury. Yeah. And didn't so, even play at all. So that's going to be someone that you bring in next year that didn't get run this year. Like, there are still a bunch of pieces. Obviously, this is a class that's going to be difficult to uh, duplicate what they've done. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and one of the guys that you're going to get back next season is a guy that had a little bit of struggle in this regional. Uh, and, I mean, you can go up and down the roster. They got good contributions from pretty much everybody at some point. I mean, everybody you know had some, some good games, some bad. But uh, the one guy that I think would want to have his regional back would be Jake Buns. Mm-hmm. And, look, Buns had a pretty awesome year. 1.97 ERA out of the bullpen. Uh, only gave up one home run during the regular season. 
and he was he was pretty lights out. Uh, but in two games against Arkansas, he comes in with two runners on in the first game, and he doesn't get either of those guys. Uh, he doesn't prevent either of them from scoring. Both runners inherited score. And then in the finale, obviously, mm-hmm. he comes in. In that eighth. He comes in with the bases loaded. A very difficult situation. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but all three of those guys obviously end up scoring. One on the wild pitch and then two more along with the the hitter on the grand slam. Yeah. Or not the would-be grand slam. It was a three-run homer. And so that's not what he typically did, right? Like he was a lot better than what he performed at in the regional. And he's going to be an important piece next season. Maybe he's your closer without Schwellenbach. You know, he was basically the setup guy in a lot of situations this year. So, if we can take a positive out of the the frustrations that Buns um, had with that regional, with what he's going to be going through with this coaching staff on a mental side of things, mm-hmm. I think Buns takes a giant step forward next year. I do think he he becomes that closer next year, that number one reliever, um, because that's that's not something you can that that's an experience not everyone gets yeah. is being that guy who. Things did not go well for twice in big games against the top team in the country yeah. at their place with that environment. I I expect Buns with this coaching staff and the way we know he is as a young man and the the capabilities he has big step forward in twenty twenty two. Yeah, yeah, I, you could certainly see that, and and you certainly hope that for him after that regional performance. All right, uh, we're going to continue the talk about baseball right after this. Ben McLaughlin. He was on the call there down in Fayetteville and and most of the series all season. Uh, Watches his team as closely as anybody. He's going to help us wrap this year, uh, the 2021 season that ends in Fayetteville as uh, Arkansas is uh, now moving uh, presumably along uh, one win away from the CWS after destroying NC State last night. Uh, And don't forget, plenty of recruiting talk. Uh, Before uh, we go, uh, a lot is going on. More official visitors this weekend uh, and a recruit committed also this week. So we'll talk about all of that as we go along here. Uh, This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Stick with us. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Rolling along here on your Saturday morning. Caleb and Cole on the KLIN Husker Hour. And joining us now, uh, we, we are happy to have Ben McLaughlin, one of the voices of Husker Baseball. We interrupt his uh, yard work as he now gets to start doing some, <laughs> normal, some normal Saturday, Saturday stuff. stuff. Yeah, I get to uh, no longer be the neighbor who doesn't take care of his yard and neglect <laughs> his yard and have a force in the front. So that's always a good feeling. But, um, yeah, it feels good to be, you know, have, be home for a weekend as much as I'd love to be down in Fayetteville again. Um, watching the team play, you know, it uh, it, is, it does feel good to be a human being. <laughs> I, ben, do you feel like between you guys at the Husker Sports Network and, and us here in the KLIN studio, we could do better than 21-2? to two? Do you feel like we could just roll out a group of guys and do better than 21-2? to two? I feel like we could get close, you know. <laughs> um, I don't know how much gas I have left in my arm, but that could probably give you a competitive at-bat or two. But, yeah, that was... <laughs> I didn't see that coming, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought NC State would compete better than that. I thought, uh, you know, that offense would maybe get to Wicklander a little bit better than that. My goodness, I did not see 21-2 to two coming at all. Well, let's uh, let's back up a little bit and, and look at that regional that the Huskers participated in. Uh, obviously coming up short, but when you compare what NC State did and they're a super regional team, you can't take that away from them. Nebraska acquitted themselves pretty dang well. Uh, we we've just talked, uh, you know, a whole segment about, you know, uh, how bright the future is with some of the younger guys and and you know some of the the seniors that perform. The, there's got obviously going to be some holes there. Uh, just big picture, what 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 was your takeaway from this first full season for Will Bolt at the helm and and what the team was able to accomplish down there against the number one overall seed? Yeah, I, well, I've done a number of interviews since since it's been over, and the, the thing I keep saying is. Uh, you know, if you would have told me before the game that Nebraska is going to let a wild pitch go by and then lose on a three-run home run to break a tie, I would have tell you, man, that Ben's about to be really heartbroken and really devastated. And I was. I mean, I was for a few minutes. Um, but, I mean, if you listen to the broadcast, immediately Greg and I's mind went to, this isn't the end, this is just the beginning. And I think that anybody that's paid attention to the team all year you could kind of see that this this thing's just getting lifted off the ground, and that made it a lot easier to swallow. I mean, the last game of the year is never easy, you know. When you're 
hanging out by the bus, waiting for the, for the coach after the game and parents are giving you hugs and thanking you for saying nice things about their kids for four or five years. And you're seeing, you know, guys get on the bus for the last time. It's not easy. It's not fun, but what makes that easier is knowing, you know, the direction of this program and, you know, where the reins are being handed uh, after this thing's over with. So that made it a little bit easier. Um, and you're absolutely right. I mean, they, they made a national statement this weekend, regardless of, of what the outcome was. And then unfortunately what went to the wrong side, but you know, Arkansas had only lost five games in that building all year. And to be one of the teams that beat them in a postseason game. And, you know, for 24 of the 27 innings that you played, been even if not uh, ahead of those guys, um, it, 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 it was unbelievable to watch. And so, yeah, it hurt. It hurt pretty bad. But I think, you know, as you said, big picture with the coaching staff, with the foundation that's been laid, with the roles that some of these younger players and newcomers had, uh, you better believe that they're going to pick up right where they're left off. That's valuable experience and, and the most raucous college baseball atmosphere that those guys aren't going to be scared of anything from here on out for the rest of their careers. Ben, we we were talking in the full first segment about how Sunday night's game really was the epitome of the season. You had everything go throughout the season. Maybe there was a little bit of a lull once you got to that Rutgers home series. But from what the coaching staff was able to do from a mindset standpoint to having guys ready for the biggest moment, and to me that was having Kyle Perry go four-plus innings. Um, coming back from his injury and being able to set up everything to peak when you had to peak against the top team in the country at their place, and obviously they don't get out of the regional. But to me, that says everything about this coaching staff and what they bring to this program. And I know you just said that obviously it looks like the future is great, but to me that Sunday night game became the epitome of what that is. Is that what you saw as well? Yeah, that Sunday game was big, and – I know we hadn't seen uh, a lot of Kyle Perry to that point, but I think the entire season was kind of leading to that moment. Um, you know, he pitched an inning in his first outing, two innings in his second outing, three innings in his third outing. You're thinking, okay, this is going to kind of come together at the right time. Plus, if you've ever met Kyle Perry, you know that there's no one else that you want the ball to give the ball to in, in a moment like that. You know, he started the, Big Ten semifinal game against Michigan at TD Ameritrade in 2019 and was a really good start against a really good offense. And um, Kyle didn't back down then, and we knew he wasn't going to back down that night, and he didn't. And then I think, you know, kind of the – when you say the the epitome of the season happened Sunday night, I think, too, when Kyle threw that pitch to the backstop and they scored two runs and took the lead, you thought, boy, here we go. It's going to come undone at the hinges. Um, and I think a lot of teams would have buckled at the knees at that moment and let Arkansas take control of the game. They didn't do that. They kept fighting and, um, you know, Will Bolt got the team huddled up after that inning and, you know, told them, look, it happened, go compete. And, you know, got to have that dog in you, as he always says. And, you know, Griffin came up with a big hit with two outs and team won that game on the back of Spencer Schwellenbach and gave them a lot of confidence for the next day. Ben McLaughlin from the Husker Sports Network joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour wrapping the 2021 Husker baseball season. The versatility of the the offense and defense that that Will Bolt was able to employ was was pretty evident in the regional. You had the the injury to Max Anderson and Bryce Matthews ended up over there. Luke Roskam played third for a hot minute until he went over uh, to first as well. Uh, Matthews and Anderson, obviously both freshmen, all big tenors, and they're going to be a big part of what you have going forward, but They've got Leighton Banjoff that they're going to be able to use a lot more next year. Uh, Griffin Everett was an, a member of that all-regional team at catcher, uh, and, and that was competing with a guy like Casey Opitz, uh, the likes of, of which uh, is, you know, he's a, obviously a big part of Arkansas's program. The, the, the guys that you have that have been, are been able to contribute and, and play a number of different positions and, and that will be coming back, I mean, number one, you can see what Bolt wants to do in terms of having guys ready to be, you know, next man up. And number two, they've got plenty of ammo left in the tank in order to to reload and, and make another run next season and in seasons to come, don't they? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Cam Chick's definitely in that in that conversation too. He had a right. big regional and um, has plenty of experience. And I think, you know, this coaching staff, 
you know, I talked to Joe Acker yesterday and, you know, one of the things that they were able to tell in the fall within the first few practices with these newcomers that these guys are, are ready to compete right now that, that, you know, that they're going to help contribute to the team. <coughs> Excuse me. And you got to give the coaching staff a lot of credit for that, for bringing guys in that don't need, you know, the two to three years to develop and, you know, that, that, that they show up ready to go. And that, that, that speaks to the caliber of talent that coach Harvell and, and this coaching staff is recruiting, but you're absolutely right. There, you, I mean, it, it, look, it's, it's kind of hard to, to measure the loss of a Spencer Schwellenbach and the loss of Luke Roscoe and Mojo and Joe. I mean, those are, those are some big losses. Um, you know, and, and the way I always look at it is you just got to assume the worst. And I'm going to assume that Kate Povich is going to get drafted and assume that he's not going to be there either. You know, it's easy to look at what Nebraska doesn't have back and say, well, they're not going to be as good. That's exactly how the media treated Nebraska this last year. You know, <laughs> they didn't know what the Huskers had. And, um, you know, I, I I think this program's done enough uh, over the last few years to start earning the benefit of the doubt. Um, the Michigan effect, so to speak, you know, that team, I think had two contributors left from that college world series run. And, you know, they were getting love from national guys all year um, when they had, whether they'd earned it or not. So I think Nebraska should has earned to start getting some of that treatment, but the team doesn't really care about that. And, you know, this coaching staff's going to do what they need to do excuse me, do what they need to do to get more talent in here. And, um, you know, whether that be they go find a Juco bat somewhere or, you know, find a way to plug some of those holes, they got to find a way to do it. And, you know, this coaching staff hasn't done it, hasn't not done it yet to this point. So I'm going to keep giving them my trust until they prove otherwise. There's still a ways to go until the fall, but it's amazing that this team has had three consecutive freshman All-Americans, which tells you going back a couple seasons – they're filling those gaps with with guys to to bring in right away out of high school. If if you happen to have a name, who would be someone that you peg that's going to be able to to fill a hole or possibly and with that playing time get some of that national recognition for a fourth consecutive year for this ball club? Drew Christo. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think. <clears throat> excuse me, Drew's obviously the name that everyone turns to. Yeah. Um, and all you got to do is just look at the kid. I mean, he is a brick house, six foot four, two hundred twenty pounds. Pull out the radar gun when he's pitching. I mean, all the physical tools are there. And you know, when you talk about this recruiting class and how good they are, I mean, you don't want to just put it on Drew Christo, but a lot of the reason why is because of him. But you know, there are other members of this class that I'm equally excited to see. One of them is, is also a legacy, C.J. Hood from Norris, yep. mm-hmm. uh, the younger brother of, of Byron Hood, who just exploded last summer. He added about 10 miles an hour to his fastball during quarantine. Um, he's sitting mid-90s right now, and you know he's a guy that kind of came out of nowhere, wasn't even – was very lightly recruited. And then once he exploded, Nebraska was all over him, and he committed. And another young man out of South Dakota that I'm really excited about is Chase Mason. Um, he's – uh, kind of a do-it-all type player. He's he's a football player, but he's also a baseball player. He probably will be drafted. Um, he would have been drafted a lot higher had he not torn his ACL in football. This is not entirely dissimilar to a Ryan Bolt scenario that we had when he was a, a senior in high school at Red Wing when he had the, the meniscus tear. And he was still drafted in the 20th, fifth round, I think, by Boston. They flew Ryan Bolt to Fenway Park. You don't do that for 25th round draft picks, <laughs> uh, but he still wanted to come to Lincoln. I think Chase Mason has a chance to be a really good player here. And I know, you know, a lot of it depends on what happens, you know, July 11th through the 13th. But I mean, those, those are three guys off the top of my head that I know the coaches, coaching staff is really excited about. And I know there's some, some local kids around here. And there's also a kid that's not local, Core Jackson from Canada, um, which is, Going to be an interesting pipeline, I think. Adam Stern, who, of course, was a, a Husker on those College World Series teams, has an academy up there that he's training players. And he gave Will a call and said, yeah, I got a guy you should probably check out. Sure enough, he signs with the Huskers. And, um, I, I mean, I, I trust Coach Stern's eye and, and what he thinks of talent. But you, you guys are right. I think there's there's a couple candidates that are going to keep um, opponents going. How many guys – I mean, how many years is this going to happen with, <laughs> with this? And there, there's – 
there's tons of excitement about the group that I just mentioned. And a lot of it's going to, you know, depend on what happens July 11th through the 13th and how high those, those salary numbers are that they're asking for. A whole new class of mojos. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to the students that decide, yeah, I should go try out. See what happens. Really looking forward to that 2035 regional where, where those, those <laughs> yeah. incoming freshmen finish up their seasons just like Mojo. Well, uh, Ben, uh, we appreciate the time and the insight. Uh, it, you guys were, were awesome. Uh, definitely uh, left your voices out there on the field just like uh, Schwellenbach and the gang left their, uh, their play out on the field. So uh, go rest the voice, take care of that yard, and uh, we'll talk to you again down the road. Yeah, well, three straight years, boys, at the end of the season, bronchitis. I mean, it just, <laughs> without fail, it's becoming a tradition unlike any other. But, hey, hey. if it's that's a per, that part of the job, you just deal with it and, and get over it. But, yeah, we made it through. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Thanks, Ben. Ben McLaughlin uh, joining us uh, to, to wrap the 2021 season. And uh, I'm look, looking forward to the day that he has bronchitis and we're at the end of July. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or hopefully it doesn't strike him like in the super regional round. Like right. his body's like, "Hey, man, this is the time that usually comes around. What are you doing, still like, talking? Stop it! We're winning games." <laughs> yeah, that would be bad. Let's let's not let that happen. Or or just you know stop getting bronchitis at the end of the season. That would be more <laughs> ideal. But sometimes you just can't avoid. It. Like I've I've actually got a inhaler I can still use once in a while with bronchitis. I've had it a couple of times in the last few years, but. Yeah, when when you talk for a living, that's that's rough. You got to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're coming back with more, uh, maybe a little bit more baseball. But we're going to transition uh, pretty hard into football as well. We got a, a volleyball of- schedule out as well. Schedule and an amazing schedule poster. Um, I don't know if we have that to show, but you can always go to their Facebook and Twitter pages. It's we can also too. talk Luke McCaffrey if you want. <sighs> <laughs> If you want to hear about that, you can come back. <laughs> but uh, plenty of recruiting talk and a commit to talk about when we return here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. All right, thanks to Ben McLaughlin from the Husker Sports Network, voice of Husker Baseball. You just joined us to put a wrap on the 2021 season that ended down in Fayetteville last mm-hmm. Monday. Uh, if you missed that or any other parts of our show, you can always head over to the Facebook page at KLIN Huskers and see the uh, see their live broadcast right now there. You can see all the archive broadcasts and you can over the, the podcast page in audio form at KLIN.com as well. Uh, we've got some things to to discuss with the uh, the the main sport. We are we are, you know, still a football right football centric uh, for the most part. Uh, and and you've got obviously June first was the day that that school let out and and everybody could finally get out and have some fun. Now you have prospects traveling, you have camps happening, fans here getting to go to camps. You've got all kinds of activity on the recruiting front. Uh, I guess let's just start with the officials because you had some in last week. You got some more in this week. You still have more coming in the rest of this month. Uh, I think with this weekend we're up to what fifteen now. Fifteen. So you had um, you had the DB uh, guy who's in the transfer portal from Ohio State, Tyree he, Johnson. Yeah, he he kind of came in by himself. But then you had yeah. eight last weekend, um, and you've got six this weekend. Mm-hmm. There's a couple weekends left to go. But man, when you start talking about that, that's fifteen dudes in two. Really, through the first two weeks that you've been able to do this, that tells you one: this coaching staff has been just aching to get folks on campus but two this class they think think about that this class who has missed out on so much uh, of the really important parts of their recruiting they didn't get those those junior um those junior camps the the summer before their right. junior year and then the stuff going into their se- now we're getting into their senior year you're really starting to see all of that ratchet up and um there are times that we're going to continue to see the fallout of the pandemic on what it has done to recruiting classes. Yeah. It's going to work differently with different sports, uh, but for football in particular, those guys missing out on the camps ahead of their junior year is going to impact a lot of where guys are going. I think that's why we're seeing numbers be a little bit lower right now on the commitments for this class. Mm-hmm. 
but it's going to ratchet up. And we have seen that through two weeks with 15 guys on campus. Um, one of the guys I'm most excited about um, that was on campus this weekend, Marquise Williams, mm-hmm. um, defensive back out of Orlando. And he's the cousin of current corner for Nebraska Tame and Lineup. So you're seeing this a lot more, I think, with, with, with recruits. Um, you definitely see it on the basketball side of things, the way they've brought recruits in. Yes. But who has a family connection to someone? And that's a big deal, especially for guys coming from across the country. And you have to build as much as we want to, you want to get the Nebraska guys. You want to build that walk on program. Mm-hmm. Here's the deal, guys. You can't, you can't be a contender with only Nebraska guys. You can't be a contender with only Nebraska, Iowa, Missouri guys. Right. You have got to go grab a few dudes from across the country. Well, what's one of those pipeline spots? Even though things went really bad with one of these last classes in the Florida guys, you still have to keep dipping into that pool. Um, and I really like them going after that Orlando area because they've got all of those ties there. They built that up during their time at UCF. you got to continue to use that, and that's what we're seeing. 15 guys through two weekends? <laughs> you're going you're gonna to see more. And then as soon as that season rolls around, guys, there's going to be people here every weekend. Oh, yeah. A- every week that you have those um, those home games. And here's the part that I really like. One, we didn't get rid of the Oklahoma game. I don't think that was ever actually on the table. Um, I think it, it was maybe kind of brought up as a last resort, but I don't think it was actually on the table at the end of the day. But getting that non-conference game moved up to the beginning of the year. Uh, up uh, so you didn't have the November non-con. Yeah. Get it in some nice weather. You'll be able to get a lot more recruits on campus as well, especially at a pivotal time because you'll be a couple months away from the early signing period, not a month away. Right, and that's that's a 11 a.m. kickoff as well. Mm-hmm. So you get that game done early, and then the coaches can spend the rest of that that evening with the those recruits. Exactly, spend a little bit more quality time. Uh, speaking Look, of more benefits of an 11 a.m. kickoff. Yeah, come come on over to the team. 11 a.m. <laughs> bandwagons wide open for you. Um, and and speaking of spending some time, uh, Chase Androff is going to spend some time in Lincoln going forward. He's the tight end commit that mm-hmm. the Huskers got this week. Six six two thirty. Lakeville, Minnesota. Uh, he's part of this 2022 class. He's the third member, joining Victor Jones and Ernest Hausman. Uh, three star. He's he's not very heavily recruited by the power names, uh, but he definitely fits the profile, Caleb, of of what they are going after yeah. on offense. Size and then more size. And oh, by the way, did I mention size? Did you see the offense that they run up there? They don't really put out a whole bunch of wide receivers. Okay. So would they throw the ball? It's going to go to a tight end, but those tight ends are doing a lot of blocking. Mm-hmm. So we've seen the dynamic receivers come in, that or uh, dynamic tight ends, that can catch the ball for sure, and then it's, okay, we really need to make sure that they can block. Well, this is kind of the other way. Androff can 100% block as a tight end guy, but he's also a really big athletic dude that can catch the ball. Yeah. So that's the part where I think the, the offense that his high school ran maybe worked a little bit of against him in being one of those higher-profile recruits, a lot of guys going after him. But he comes to Nebraska, and as, as he as he told, I can't remember uh, who, who interviewed him, um, but he told him that Coach Frost could really tell he wanted to commit while on campus, and Frost was saying, well, take your time. like Don't rush your decision. And on Monday, he called and was like, no, guys, I want to commit. <laughs> like it just when you know like there's there's some of those parts where when you know you want to be somewhere you definitely know and that's encouraging to me that he wants to commit here knowing that you've got guys like Thomas Fedoni who's going to be around for a couple years at the tight end position you've got James Carney um you've got the uh Rollins um out of uh Bellevue yeah you've got some athletic and dynamic tight ends that are going to block and they're going to catch the ball but he wants to come in and compete for those spots I like to see that. Yeah, and another thing that you're going to see maybe soon is, you know, this is about the time where you get a quarterback commit. It's that right. it's that summer before that senior season because you usually only take one, and it's it's usually going to be that early summer area. I, I think last year Heinrich Harburg was what May when he was the guy in, in the 2021 class. Yeah, he had been offered a scholarship, and about a week later he said yes. Right. Uh, he, he committed. And that was the part that was, again, with the pandemic, not being able to see guys, not get guys on campus, not being able to do certain things. Um, when the coaching staff did make that offer to Harburg as the quarterback, he didn't take very long to commit. But once he did, it was, okay, there's, there's your quarterback for the class. Mm-hmm. 
we are in that spot where with this class, um, because a quarterback doesn't want to get into the season and be playing. You usually the guys that are playing um, are really just at the end of their recruiting with two to three schools, and it's either a really really high profile guy or guys just trying to get onto some radar. Right. There, there's and where Nebraska is going to typically be with their quarterbacks is going to be between that. Mm-hmm. This is the time when we're going to see. So I would expect here in in the next month that you should see a quarterback commitment to the class. Name to keep in mind, name to to, to remember, Richie Torres mm-hmm. out of San Antonio. Uh, he's 6'5", 210, and uh, I, I think that might be their guy. I think there might be a 24-7 crystal ball for him to yeah, Nebraska there as is. well. So um, that that's, would a, be, that's good size. Yeah. I, that that is well, especially if your offensive trend. if your offensive line is getting bigger, your quarterback has to get bigger to see over him. That's right. <laughs> you can't you can't be having like you know Johnny Manziel running back there. You got to have somebody who's who's of of significant size. Your Although you, Harburg, you, you you could you could hide Manziel behind that offensive line pretty well. Yes, yeah. just can't. You got to find the windows. Yeah, Russell Wilson style. Yeah, he's stand on your tiptoes. All right, a lot of recruiting there. Uh, we've got a little bit more coming up for you. We've got volleyball's schedule release uh, and a Husker in the transfer portal as well. We'll tell you about who that is coming up here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. KLI and Husker Hour. Thanks for being with us here. It is Super Regional Weekend in college baseball, and hopefully you're having a better weekend than NC State's having, everybody. <laughs> not hard. Yeah. Not, not hard to have a better weekend so far than the Wolfpack. If you if you missed their result yesterday, uh, they went down to Fayetteville. They're the Super Regional participant op- opposite Arkansas. Um, they lost 21-2. to So they're on... Uh, they're on elimination watch today after that demoralizing loss yesterday, and and uh, the Hogs are one win away from heading back to Omaha. This will be the third straight College World Series for uh, Dave Van Horn in Arkansas because they went in eighteen and nineteen. Obviously, there was no uh, finish to the season last season. So I'm interested to see what their reception is in Omaha because you're going to have the people that obviously Husker fans are always going to love Dave Van Horn. Yes. Um, and you have really seen Omaha pull for Arkansas. Mm-hmm. What is that reception, even with Arkansas fans kind of taking over Omaha when they do come up, the Omahogs, as they like mm-hmm. to call themselves? Yeah. I'm really curious to see if there is more of a split based on the way Arkansas's fans, Arkansas' social media team, were not the greatest, and it's it's different, obviously, now, because Arkansas had to go through Nebraska to get to Omaha. Mm. Let's be honest. Let's just pen it in now. Arkansas is going to Omaha. Like, you don't, you don't see the Wolfpack coming they're, back? They're not losing too straight to the Wolfpack at home this weekend. So what is that reception going to be? I still think it's going to be favorable for Arkansas, but I do anticipate, especially early, Early, when you get late, you might have more people pulling for Arkansas because it's fun to go cheer for a team that's that's being really successful on the cusp uh, of something like a national title. Mm. But I think early, if you listen carefully, if you're watching the broadcast, listening on 1620 up there in Omaha, if you're there in person. Yeah, if you're there in person, you might hear a few more boos happen. You might hear a "Go Big Red" chant. Yeah, during. The Arkansas games. I think you might hear just a little bit more of that. I don't think it's going to be overwhelming. I just want to see what happens if the number one seed meets the number two seed in the CWS finals and test what Jack Mitchell said, that he would actually cheer for Texas over Arkansas. Because those are your one and two seeds. Right. Texas Texas plays their first game of the Super Today against South Florida, they're hosting that obviously as the two overall. So there was those two would meet in the finals. I want to see what happens. Not that I want Texas to win, but I I, I would rather you know I, I would rather see what Jack has to do in that now, scenario. There was a year, oh I don't know, I was sixteen or seventeen years old, and uh, a, a girl that I knew, her family was going to College World Series. Yep, and I said, yeah, absolutely, I'll go. Well, I get in the vehicle to ride to Omaha with them. They're all in burnt orange. Oh no! And I was like, "All right, this is different." And I'm just, I'm just wearing whatever. I think right. I just had like a gray shirt on and um, 
maybe an, like my an NCAA hat, like Rob Lowe. Yes, not not quite an NCAA hat. I think I just had like my Loop City Legion baseball hat on. Right. We get there, smack dab in the middle of the Texas fans. Oh, gross. I'll tell you this though. I was just sitting there and I was like, whatever. I'm in the middle of these guys. I'm here for free. Let's right. have some fun. And that's the part about baseball. Even if there's all the, the the rivalry with the schools and everything, even if it is Texas, if you are there in the middle of a, a group of fans and they will just accept you. They started handing me. I had so many armbands. I had a Texas hat I wore for half the game and gave back to some old guy who was like, you got to wear this if you're here. And I had so many armbands. And someone was like, here, I'll buy you a shirt. And I was like, stop it. Yeah. But that's the part about baseball that I feel is a little bit different than if you talk like Nebraska-Texas football yeah, or even volleyball or whatever the sport is. Baseball just feels a little bit more like we're all hanging out at the ballpark. Yeah. And that's why I don't think there's going to be a lot of animosity towards Arkansas and Omaha. We'll see. I think it'll be on a little bit of a game-by-game basis, depending on who the matchup is. That, that, that always factors into it. You might have a Cinderella that makes it on Arkansas' side of the bracket, and that, see, and, and, that, that team would, would probably get more cheers than Arkansas or anybody. Right, because people who show up just to go to the College World Series, you end typically you're kind of going for the underdog. Yes. You, you want to see that fun upset. Yes. Arkansas is not going to be the underdog in any of the games. No. No, they are not. And and speaking of teams and programs that you like to cheer against, uh, Texas being one of them, Texas Volleyball, of course, is uh, the, the team that Nebraska saw last, and, and Nebraska Volleyball now has their schedule out for not even two the months. upcoming 2021 season. The 2021 fall season, I'm going to have to right. say that specifically because there was obviously a 2021 spring season that replaced the 2020 fall season. Uh, so this is this is who you got, and, and Nebraska is going to be right back into non-conference play, mm-hmm. just like the old days. It's, it's pretty cool, and there's a couple of really neat non-conference games in here. First of all, um, going out to Stanford. You, yes. f- you finally got that back on there. That's really, really cool. Um, you've got Utah coming to You have a couple of... Um, early season non-conference tournaments that Nebraska is going to have. The first two weekends, they'll play two games Friday, one Saturday, come back the next weekend, two games Friday, one Saturday. going to be really cool to get those at home. Mm-hmm. Um, coming south, you're going to get Omaha here. Um, but as part of that, you're going to get Utah. And with, uh, um, well, Utah is going to be later in the non-conference schedule, but by getting Utah, uh, who made the NCAA tournament and was ranked in the top 20 of the AVCA ranking. So that's a team who's had success. On the rise, yep. You get Louisville. Who happens to coach the Cardinals? Danny Busboom Kelly. Danny Boom Kelly, yep. So, and the Cardinals have been really coming on strong with that connection there. You also have, as part of those first two weekends, it's Tulsa, Colgate, Colgate Kansas State, and then that second weekend, Omaha, Georgia, Arizona State. Uh, Huskers go up to Creighton, that would uh, be the other one of their non-conference schedules. Now, you do have, once you get into the conference slate, there's a number of uh, single-game opponents, but your home and homes, Iowa, Penn State, Rutgers, Indiana, Illinois, Purdue, Wisconsin. So, you do get Wisconsin at your place and their place. Obviously, you get Iowa. I think you're going to do that just about every year. And Penn State is the home and home. Now, when you talk about Minnesota, you see them once. It's at Minnesota. Bring it on. So there there are some like that. And Ohio State had a pretty decent year last year as well. You're at Ohio State. So this is a this is a pretty solid schedule that Nebraska is going to have, but you do have the non-conference. And my favorite part of that release that went out, they are expecting 100% capacity for all home fall sporting events. I know we we were expecting that as well. Yes. But to see it written out. Yeah. And it, oh, it was so good. Illinois football actually just announced that yesterday, too. And Nebraska mm-hmm. goes there to open the season week zero. I saw a lot of folks buying tickets yesterday. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and speaking of schedules, there is an amazing schedule uh, uh, artwork or whatever you want to call it done for the Nebraska volleyball schedule. Oh, yeah, with the Kool-Aid. It is all... Kool-Aid packets. Uh, we have a. We'll have a little bit of a picture up here on the. What the was broadcast your What was your favorite you flavor that they had with those? I I don't I I don't remember. I like the the Louisville's the fried chicken yeah, Kool-Aid. That's pretty um, good. And then there was a Rutgers one was like uh, so, some dinosaur. Yeah, like it was, those were pretty cool. I like the creativity with all of those. Yeah. One one more thing on volleyball before we get our last break here, uh, Mr. Sports Director, tell me 
When will we hear about Lauren Stiverens already? I want to know. I'll give you the uh, John Baylor answer. We might know at 3 o'clock ahead of, uh, on 3 o'clock, <laughs> August 27th. Well, never mind. They play at noon. At about 11 in the morning, August 27th, we might know her decision. <laughs> we're just she we're she we, we just gotta we just gotta watch the pregame if she shows up at the pregame maybe maybe i'll be out there in my fire red long johns oh man it's it's like it's like when when you had the uh the 2010 quarterback decision back in the day with bo Pelini. yeah is it gonna be zach lee is it gonna be cody green is it gonna be this this red shirt freshman that nobody's yeah. heard of taylor martinez <laughs> and you don't know until the like basically pregame right. I, Husker volleyball, they're into their camps this summer, and typically the players help like the players help out with those camps. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see where that Lawrence Stiverns decision is. That's the one that everybody's paying attention to now, obviously, without her uh without her being made it without her having it made known. Lexi's son was obviously huge, but man, if you got both back. Hello. Along with the recruiting class, the classes that John Cook has brought in. Uh, that will be that will be big time if Nebraska can get her services for one more season. All right, back after this to wrap up the show. This is the KLI and Husker Hour. Online.com. Talking with current and former Huskers and those who cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. couple more things before we go. Uh, if you didn't see the news earlier this week, uh, our, our friend to the east is going to be adding uh, a few beverages to their menus at Car- at, at Kinnick Stadium. At, at whatever that stadium is called. Uh, there in I Iowa almost City. called it Carver Hawkeye, but that's basketball. <laughs> I don't know. They might play football there, too. Yeah, so they're going to – Iowa Athletics going to be selling alcohol at their football stadium. Yep. That's just another one in the Big Ten. It's up to, what, nine? I think nine. I think. Yeah. Um, nine in the Big Ten, which has 14 schools. Um, so numbers are fun. Yeah, Iowa just being the latest there. You're going to have that concert at Memorial Stadium that just tells me it's not – it might still be five years down the road. To me, it's inevitable that it's going to happen at Husker Athletics. Yes. And you, you, just a matter of time. You saw it in Fayetteville. You saw it with a bunch of the regionals a week ago. You'll see, you're seeing it at the Super Regionals um, for baseball. It's just a matter of time until you see it at Husker Athletics. That's right. Now, whether, whether it's right, wrong, or otherwise, to me, it, it's a matter of time. Also, college football playoff could be expanding to 12 teams. Speaking of matter of time. Uh, right. Um, that could also be a couple years away. That's not going to happen this fall. The management committee is meeting later uh, next week in Chicago. So it's not a done deal yet. But they're going to recommend, uh, reportedly, they're going to recommend 12 teams, mm-hmm. your top six conference champs, regardless of conference, mm-hmm. as well as six at-larges. Plenty of time to get into this, but the only good thing about it is that you could see an SEC school have to come up north for a playoff game. Give me seven SEC schools in the playoffs, you cowards. Gross. (laughs) All right. Thanks for joining. We will talk to you next week. If you haven't already, go get your shot. And as always, go Big Red. RIP, Meg.